You are listening to the Religica Theo Lab podcast in the Center for Ecumenical and Interreligious Engagement at Seattle University. talked earlier about climate change from 1978 when you first became involved. No, I became involved before, but when I spoke first time at the United Nations in 1978, but I did get standing ovation, though. You didn't. I got got 10, 15-minute long standing ovation, and then I was deemed to be a well-spoken young Eskimo. That was it. That was it. That was it. But, you know, it was really, really interesting because I went home because I'm a runner for the elders. I went home, my mom and dad invited all these beautiful, beautiful elders, some in the 90s, and and I spoke to them that I spoke at the world government of the United Nations. An old man, I think 93 years old at the time, he was sitting across from me. He asked me, do do they own the world? Because the Danish government owns Greenland. And I didn't know how to answer that, so I just carried on. But so interesting. Mm-hmm. And, so, and then my father stopped me in the mid-sentence. As I'm telling these all these beautiful elders, he asked me, he says, but did he hear you? Mm-hmm. I, I looked at my father and said, they gave me standing ovation 10, 15 minutes long. And then I carried on telling. Then he stopped me again and said, or did they hear you? Then yeah. I realized he wanted to know if my message came across. Of course, it did not. It did not. And that's why it's now too late. You mentioned that this morning. It's now too late. Yeah. What does that mean for the world? Scientists, I met many of them, I kept talking about that we will soon reach a threshold of no return. The old people, the people, the only people on earth who live with the big guys, the elders, have said long ago, it's too late. Mm. But scientists think that they know better than old people because they went to school mm. and they started about the ice in the university classroom. Some of them go to, every summer to Greenland to study the ice. But interestingly enough, I met a man at the big airport in Greenland. The big airplane had left and I'm waiting for my next flight. And he was sitting alone, so I went up to him and greeted him and asked him, who are you, where do you come from? He came from uh, Colorado, the, the mountains, and he was a professor or scientist studying the ice. I was so excited that I met a scientist who studied the big ice of my land. So I said, have you talked to my elders? And all of a sudden he said, why should I talk to them? He said, they had never gone to school. I went to school yeah. and studied the ice. I felt an incredible turmoil inside me, and I became really harsh because he had been there 19 summers. I was the first Eskimo he spoke to. I was just boiling inside myself, and I told him, you know, these old people you don't speak to, they have lived with this big ice every single day, in their life, they know more about the ice than most scientists you started with will ever know in their lifetimes. Sometimes I lose my control over myself. I made that beautiful man, whoever he is, mm. crying. 
and I left him crying. Mm. Afterwards, of course, I regretted it that because that I, I don't want to be a harsh person. I want to be someone who comes from the, the heart and really can connect with people. But I was young. I was young. That's my excuse. Mm-hmm. I heard you speak earlier about what really needs to melt is not the ice. Yeah. Could you say a word about that? Yes. That's what I talk about in the world. The big ice is melting really, really fast. I mean, when you think of it, I just turned 71 the other day. When I was born, average height of the ice, the thickness of the ice was about five kilometers. That's three miles. Now it's less than two kilometers, which is barely a mile and a half. That's a drastic change. It's drastic. It's so drastic. But the fascinating, the Antarctica ice is also melting really badly. The faster the ice on the ground is melting, the thicker the ice in our heart becomes. Mm. And that's what I was trying to get across this morning to people. We stop saying hello to each other, let alone, oh, what's your name? Mm. Where do you come from? How is your family? Where are you going? What's happening in your life? We stop talking to each other. We stop communicating with each other. We stop recognizing each other. We stop accepting each other as we are. In terms of melting hearts, what do we need to learn from our elders on this planet? Connecting to each other. Mm-hmm. Did you know that the, the tribe of the Eskimo are the largest landholders of, of any tribe on Earth? I didn't. You didn't. That the largest la- They are the largest landholders of any tribe, so they know about distances. And my father, the, he, he describes it as that the greatest distance in existence of man is not from here, to Seattle, mm-hmm. nor from Seattle to here. Nay, he says, the greatest distance in existence of mind is from his mind to his heart. Mm-hmm. Unless you conquer that distance, you can never learn to soar like an eagle and realize your own immensity within. Mm-hmm. And immense you are within. But because of the frozen heart, we don't even recognize ourselves anymore let alone the others. What is your sense about our capacity, all of us, all of us, to bridge that distance in our hearts and minds? I wish you could meet my grandmother, my father's mother. She teaches us that we are really, really big, you know. Mm. In our mind, it's absolutely enormous. And in our spirits, it's enormous, and our body has mm. enormous capacity. So we ask, well, how, how, how does it translate into our language? Mm. What does it really mean? She says, you can think of anything. Can you imagine that you can think of anything? The capacity for that. That's the capacity of you. The greater, the, what I like most, she, said, she talks about the great sky of you. The great sky is your spirit. The home of your spirit is your heart. That is bigger than the big sky above us. Mm. So that means you are bigger within yourself than the big sky above you. Mm. And I think of it as a, that you really must be enormously capable. Yeah. And then she says, inside yourself, you are deeper than the deepest of oceans of Earth. Now we have learned by science that there are two very deep oceans, one in China Sea and one in East Greenland. They Both of them are 
11 kilometers deep. That's 33,000 feet deep. But my grandmother says, you are deeper than the deepest of oceans of earth inside yourself. That means you must be really, really deep. Mm-hmm. That's the depth we have. But do we understand it, let alone comprehend it? No, you don't understand it, let alone comprehend the significance of what you carry within yourself every single day. If I'm in that train station in Munich or on a street in Seattle or anywhere, yeah. it means that the person next to me also has that kind of depth exactly. in and around them. Exactly. What a loss. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. The beautiful gift we have from this great one, we have not u- learned to use it because we don't understand the significance of it. We think everything is better out there, not realizing the best is within. In addition to this, what is it that you would like, when you think of the next three or four years, to those people who are listening, what is it you want them to remember about what's happening to the world and how they can help respond to that? I hope you have a couple of days to talk to me about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to do that. You know, it's really interesting what's happening in the world. We are influenced by words. And the way we hear words are all different from one ear to the other to the other. We understand things differently to the sounds, the volume, to the meaning of it, and so on and so on and so on. So the same words will come to us differently. And our understanding will be developed from that idea. And we have really become confused. Mm-hmm. We stop listening to ourselves, because we've been taught to listen to the others. But the others are important, but you are far more important than everyone else. So, But you forgot to listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like you forgot your own individual capacity to be. Could you say something about the power of prayer? Mm-hmm. the importance of prayer for helping us center in the greatness that's a oh, part of our, ourselves. I grew up in a tiny village of three houses. And when we left it in 1959, we were 17 people. So there was no churches of Lutheran Christianity. There was no white people from outsiders. It was just our family. And it was really, I'm so privileged. I grew up the first 12 years of my life there with our grandmother. It's so amazing. She taught us that we should talk to him, the man who made us. And she taught us that we can actually say anything to him. And when we became teenagers, we said, can I be angry at him? My grandmother would say, yes, you can be angry at him. You can say anything to him. And we asked him, how come? Because he's bigger than you. He can take whatever you tell him. Mm because he loves you, he will listen to you. But then she says, you can say your prayer in silence or in words or in chant. So I grew up knowing that I can talk to him, the man who made us, in my silence. Then I can talk to him and I can say absolutely anything to him. Why? Because he's bigger than me. He can take whatever I say to him and still accept me and love me and he will help and guide me and assist me whatever I need to do then the chant every prayer I would say I give it my breath because my grandmother says when I give it the breath 
Then it goes, goes to him, the man who made us. Then he was, oh, that comes from Angama. And then he will send my prayer with the answer of my, for my prayer to all his helpers. We don't have angels in my traditions. We have our ancestors. I just come from Italy. They have angels. Mm-hmm. You know? So interesting. So, and those helpers, which are my ancestors, will bring the answer for my prayer to where it belongs with stunning accuracy. That's the capacity of the great one. But my grandmother said, if you do not believe in yourself, it's merely words you speak. Mm-hmm. Can, can I just give you a little chant? Please. I, just, just, just in the voice, uh, I had to travel soon. Uh, but Please, thank you. And I want to say prayers for all of us in this big gathering, because we're talking about the parliament of the, all religions mm-hmm. on earth. But because we talk words, and we are lovey-dovey amongst us. Mm-hmm. But when we go home tonight, because of different religions, people will be killed. Mm-hmm. Because the way they are, they will be killed. They, because the way they think, they will be killed. Because the way they spoke, they will be killed. It is as though human life doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad. The only country on earth where people live, where there has never been war, is Greenland. That's the only country on earth where there has never been war. And it happened to be the oldest crust of earth. So that she has the energy of Mother Earth when she was born. So with that regard, I want to say a little prayer for you and your family. Thank you. And then Judy and her family, and me and my family. I just got a letter from my granddaughter, my second oldest granddaughter, crying that she had forgotten my birthday yesterday. She said, Grandpa, it's not because I don't love you. Because I was busy and I forgot. I didn't realize yesterday was your birthday. Thank you. And and I remembered and I wrote her back and said, my dear, just that you thought of me, you healed the pain I felt. You've been listening to the Religica Theolab podcast in the Center for Ecumenical and Interreligious Engagement at Seattle University. To learn more about the center's work and for resources to be used in local communities, visit us at seattleu.edu slash the center.